So today is the 23rd of November, Monday, uh, 2020. In seven days, we'll reach the end of the month of November. And then just one month after that will be the end of this year of uh, 2020. So we see that these lives of ours, they arise and then they constantly change. And our lives uh, meet with old age, sickness and death. And this is something that's normal and natural. And this is something we uh, continuously contemplate especially for the uh, monastics practicing, contemplating uh, continuously uh, separation from that which is loved. All beings must be uh, separate from, from the loved. And this is part of the uh, that the Buddha recommended to reflect on uh, regularly. So we reflect that um, I am subject to old age. I've not overcome aging. I'm subject to illness. I've not overcome illness. I'm subject to death. I've not overcome death. I'm subject to separation from that which is loved. So we reflect on this regularly. And we can understand that this is normal. And what does it mean that it's normal that uh, old age, sickness, death, and separation from the loved. It simply means that it's the way of nature, that it's the way things are, that it's just um, the nature of things to be this way. It's the way it is. So we hear this often, we hear this teaching often, but when our hearts meet with this reality of nature, this reality of life, then we can't accept it. And this is because of clinging and attachment arising in the heart. So when this attachment arises in the heart, then we want to be here longer. We want to keep on living. We don't want old age, sickness, and death. So this is attachment arising. And for some individuals, it may be different. Some individuals may actually uh, want to die. They may want their lives to end. So we chant and we cultivate uh, our meditation object and develop our minds to see the in and out breath. And especially for some older people, though it could be at any age, some people just don't wanna, don't wanna live anymore, don't wanna be in this world anymore. Some people, for instance, around 80 years old may feel at ease. They may feel like they've had enough. They feel content with their life and they don't want pain. They don't want the suffering of illness and they just wish for death. They may wish for a peaceful death in their sleep or so on. And this is accepting the reality of death to a certain degree. And one may ask them, well, when you die, where will you go? And they say, oh, I don't know. But they feel ready to die all the same. And this is good to one level because of the quality of acceptance in the heart and the lack of fear. So we should train our minds uh, daily, uh, train our minds to see old age, sickness, and death as normal. 
we train our hearts in this way and then we feel lighter and more at ease. And then when sickness arises, then we feel like this is something that's just natural and normal. It's not unusual at all. It's uh, completely typical and normal for sickness to arise. And so we look at uh, conditioned phenomena, sankharas, one of which is uh, materiality or rupa. And this materiality is something that must degrade, it must pass away, whether it's one's body or other physical objects, they all must uh, degrade and pass away. They're all anicca, impermanent. So contemplate this point deeply, contemplate this point often. And when one contemplates uh, deeply enough, this contemplation is capable of destroying uh, self-view that's so deeply embedded in our hearts, capable of destroying Sakaya Diddy that binds one to suffering. So contemplate this quality of impermanence often and look around the world, look and see, has any, does anyone live here forever? Have you ever heard of anyone or met anyone that's, uh, that's lived forever? And of course the answer is no, no one even knows of such a person. And say, is there anyone around who's 200 years old? Uh, no, not a single one. And around 150 years old, extremely hard to find. Yeah, 120 years old, uh, very rare. And most individuals don't even live to 100 years old. So we can see that uh, we're just not here in this world for very long. We're just here temporarily. These bodies of ours are just here temporarily. So given this uh, fact of nature, we should build merit, build goodness. We contemplate now that we've been born here, we must go. We've come into this world and we must leave it as well. This life that we have is short. So what should we do with it? What should we do in this situation? We should build goodness and merit. And this merit means happiness and fullness of heart. The mind that is uh, hot and lacking merit, or the mind that's hot, we can call a demerit. And the mind that's cool and happy, we can call this merit. And this merit has many, many types. Listening to Dhamma is one type of merit, leads the heart to feel full and feel good, have a happy feeling. Similarly, when one practices generosity and feels happiness, one may help uh, the poor and needy, one may help uh, various kinds of animals and whatever it is, this is all merit arising. So knowing this, uh, various types of merits, one should practice them, such as cultivating right view, straight view, correct view. In this uh, world these days, the beliefs of children are not the same as they were um, many years ago. For instance, uh, children these days may think, oh, my mother and father, they must take care of me. It's their, simply their duty to give birth to me and raise me and take care of me, but there's no need for me to take care of my mother and father. 
And this is uh, different than in the past where maybe children felt it was their duty to care for their parents. And if the mother and father don't wish to care for the child, the child would simply die. A human child's not capable of caring for themselves for a long time. So it's really uh, without the care of the mother and father, then <clears throat> individuals would simply not survive. So the mother and father care and assist the, the child in growing up to adulthood. So we can see that the mind has its own thoughts, has its own kilesas. And uh, young people these days or various individuals may be lost in delusion, not believe um, in various things such as hell, heaven, and nibbana. So hell, heaven, and nibbana are all true and real. There was one story from the time of Lumpu Cha where a very highly educated uh, layperson came to visit Wat Nongpapong to talk with Lung Pu Cha. And this uh, individual did not believe in heaven, hell, or Nibbana, but they just believed in their uh, worldly education and science and books and so on. So this lay person had a, had a talk with Lung Pu Cha. And Lung Pu Cha said that, well, whether there's a next life or no next life, never mind about that for the moment. But just consider this point. If in this life you do goodness and do merit and you don't do anything bad, then in this life you'll be happy. And if there is a next life, you'll be happy in that life as well. However, if you do demerit and do bad in this life, you'll be unhappy in this life. And in the next life, you'll also be born into a miserable state. So considering this, you see that in this life, it's good to do merit, it's good to do goodness. And this layperson was able to listen to this teaching and accept it. Even this individual had a very high level of views and conceit, a very big sense of self. But they were able to lower their conceit and accept this teaching from Mungpu Cha. And after this chat with Lung Pu Cha, they, were, they undertook the five precepts as well. And they grew to have a great respect for their uh, teacher, Lung Pu Cha. And this is the arising of Dhamma. And they even, this individual uh, took many villagers to Wat Nong Papong, And many, many people ended up coming to Wat Nong Papong. But it was necessary to pass through certain obstacles first. And one of the obstacles uh, that existed to many people coming to Wat Nong to practice and have faith was uh, the lack of belief in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. It, at that time in rural Northeast Thailand where Wat Nong is located, <coughs> many people uh, didn't believe in the or have faith in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, but they believed in uh, protective amulets or charms. And Lumpu Man and other great teachers before uh, Lumpu Cha's time helped change these views amongst the people of Northeast Thailand and elsewhere in the country as well. And they laid the foundation for people to have faith in the Triple Gem and later on to come 
in practice at Wat Nong Pong and various other monasteries as well with great teachers such as Lung Pu Cha. So we can look at um, these various activities that go on outside and inside the monastery, such as the end of rains retreat, uh, katina ceremony, or forest cloth offering, or putting food in the monks' bowls, and all these various uh, activities, and cultivating mindfulness and wisdom. And whether one helps with one's energy of body and mind, or through money and physical objects, this is all merit, this is all goodness. And another type of goodness is a mind that has respect and, and deference with regard to the triple gem and with regard to individuals with good qualities such as virtue. One can look at the example of uh, a mother and father who bring their young child to ordain as a novice. And after the ordination of that child, the child's own mother and father will bow down to that novice, their child. And this is the quality of having respect and deference to those with the quality of virtue. And people have such uh, great respect for the monastic community, whether novices or monks who undertake uh, many precepts that they separate out all the best high quality foods to offer to the monks. For instance, the mother of Lung Pu Cha would put aside their good quality mangoes and offer these out of respect to the Sangha. So we can see that lay people recollect uh, the monastic community in this way and think of them and then put aside um, the things that they feel are the best quality or the things that they value to give to people who have the quality of virtue. Another type of merit is the practice of collectedness or samadhi. Samadhi is a very high, very great type of merit, more so than giving or virtue. The goodness of virtue is very great, but it's not yet to the point where one has overcome anger. Similarly with generosity, one may give, but still have uh, virtue lacking in the heart. And someone with virtue is an even higher type of goodness, but even though they may be restrained in their precepts, they may still have anger, uh, greed, and delusion in their hearts. So even monks who have uh, many precepts can still have anger, aversion arising in their hearts, which is due to upadana, attachment arising, which leads to a sense of self, uh, self-view arising. So given this uh, fact, uh, what should we do? We should do the practice of samadhi, of bhavana, cultivating our minds to be collected and still. And we see that this quality of samadhi uh, brings such great benefits, tremendous benefit and merit into our lives. So we practice meditation, cultivate mindfulness, uh, keep within the bounds of virtue. And when the mind is collected, we're capable of contemplating the body is empty and seeing all phenomena 
all phenomena in the entire world, all is empty. We see the breath arise and pass away. And we see that if the breath doesn't come in, then we die. And if the breath doesn't go out, then we die. So really we're dying with every single breath, every single in-breath and every single out-breath. It's truly a death. But we, um, but we don't see this clearly, typically. And we should really see that we die a little bit every day. Every single breath, we die a little bit more. Every day, we die a little bit. So we see this breath um, coming in and coming out. And we're one step closer to death with every breath. And this breath is such a, a fragile thing that if it stops uh, just for a short time, then this body uh, dies right there on the spot. So given this fact, uh, what's the use in being angry or what's the point in holding on to anger or greed? Uh, given the fact that not only is death coming closer with every breath, but with the cessation of the breath at any moment, one may die right there. And every day that passes, there are fewer fewer breaths left in our lives. So why bother being angry? Why bother clinging and attaching to things? And if one's lost in delusion, then one simply should look at the breath. And looking at the breath in this way, the mind gathers and becomes collected and one becomes capable of letting go. This is the arising of wisdom. One is able to put down the causes of suffering put down the things that one clings to. So keep doing this practice of uh, sila, samadhi, and panya, virtue, concentration, and wisdom. And this bhavana is such a great goodness in our lives. We can compare the practice of generosity to, uh, to a piece of meat, and the practice of bhavana is like the salt that preserves that meat. And whether one is a male, female, or whatever uh, gender or sex or age, whether a child or an adult, one is capable of doing this. One is capable of mental cultivation. So contemplate, have mindfulness in the present moment and see that upadana, this clinging, arises right here, arises with regard to the six senses. And whatever object of the six senses if one uh, is lost, then one feels liking or disliking or ignorance with regard to that sense object. This is the arising of kilesa or defilement. So see all these six sense objects, see them as ever-changing, stressful and ownerless. See them all as empty and void. This is the arising of wisdom, which is a great merit. Therefore, one must continuously practice mental cultivation, give rise to this great merit. And this, uh, and this gives rise to the seeing clearly of the Dhamma. So contemplate the Dhamma regularly, do the chanting practice. This is something we can all do. So just do it, do the practice. Make it as a part of your character that you do the practice regularly. And then doing this continuously, then one day the mind becomes uh, bright and radiant.
one sees the truth of reality clearly. One sees impermanence, suffering, and not self. One sees this right here in one's own heart. And then a great rapture and happiness arises in the heart. And this can, this rapture and happiness can go on for three days and three nights. Such a great amount of happiness and rapture. And this experience, this, uh, this experience of seeing the Dhamma changes one's life, changes one's heart, and changes one view, one's views to correct views. So continue the practice of mental cultivation, uh, practice the Dhamma, um, practice uh, virtue, not killing, stealing, and so on. And uh, when one sees the Dhamma clearly, one is simply not capable of breaking these precepts, such as killing. If one is uh, engaged in a wrong livelihood, one will simply change that livelihood because one sees that these external things are simply uh, not, not important or one's uh, not interested in external things anymore, but just on, on internal things. So one gives up uh, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, and false speech. And this merit, this is a great merit arising in the heart. And one sees clearly that heaven, hell, and nibbana are all true and real. That rebirth is true. That merit and demerit are, are also true. That a next life exists. And this is the quality these are the qualities in the mind of someone who has seen the Dhamma. So we can see that um, to see that we see things as self now, and this is being lost, lost in the sense of self, lost in the delusion of self. And that if one sees clearly, if one sees the self, this is seeing no self. Seeing the true self is seeing no self. So keep on with your practice of mental cultivation. Keep practicing. And one day you'll be able to overcome the kilesas. This is something that's possible. It's not difficult. It's something that we're capable of doing. So don't give up, don't retreat, but keep making effort in your practice. Keep contemplating, keep practicing virtue, concentration and wisdom. So may all the monastics and lady May you all be intent in your Dhamma practice.